BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am divorced, not dead. I'm a former Bravo TV star and now former wife. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And today I am joined by um, Chantal Otten. So anyway, I'm very excited about having you on. I've been looking forward to this podcast. I've, I've actually done a few on uh, with sex therapists and you are a sexologist? Sexologist. Look, it's just a different type of training, but essentially we're all doing the same thing. We have the same goal. Went to school for this? I went to a lot of school, seven years of school for this. I'm a doctor That's of amazing. sex. Are you a doctor of sex? I'm not sure. The others were more therapists, but you went to school for good sex. So what does school look like for that? Is well, it an exam or is it physical? Oh my goodness. If it was a physical, some people do physicals. No, mine was like therapy, so psychology, and then science and medicine specializing in sexual medicine. What I've, having interviewed a couple of people that sort of do sex therapy, it sort of looks like, People come to them when things have already gone bad, mm. right? When, when things are already souring. So you're sort of getting the tail end of a relationship or how to get fall back in love and all that kind of stuff. Is that, is that how it is with you? Would I come to you earlier than that? I mean, I would bloody hope so, but I think it really depends on where you're at. I mean, I have a, a following which is mainly made up of young people that are between like the 18 to like 35 kind of demographic. And I have 12 sexologists that work for me. I would say that the most, like the main age bracket is between maybe 18 and 45. So okay. it's, yeah, it's totally so different. That's totally different. So tell me why an 18 year old comes to you to literally learn how to have sex. No. So if you are, for example, 18 and you try to have sex, penetrative sex for the first time and the penis wouldn't go in and it was like hitting a brick wall or it was extremely painful when the penis went in. 
that's a condition. It's called vaginismus, which sounds like Christmas of the vagina, but it's the opposite. It's like burning, singing. It's like Halloween. It's burning, singing, razor blade-like sensations. It's young people who get premature ejaculation problems or erectile dysfunction or young women who have pain on their vulva or they just they don't even know what to do or people with disabilities as well who are unsure how to interact with the way that their ability is compared to people who don't have a disability and maybe if they're in interabled relationships oh i didn't think about that that's that's quite interesting as well so i mean how do young people i mean because it's quite a thing for a young person to just admit that they've got a problem and then find you how do people find you? I guess my social media is a big part of that. There's like 100,000 people that follow me just for pure sex advice, education. I get referrals from doctors, specialists, and you can self-refer. Like any question that you have about sex, you can come in. You don't have to be doing like six sessions. You can come in for one or two sessions and we answer the question, we figure out the solution and we help you get to the place where you feel comfortable it's also dating, you know, I'm an ambassador for Bumble. So it's going out, it's learning how to date, it's learning how to ask for consent, it's safety, it's boundaries. So all those things that you worry about with your kids and when they start dating and when they start having sex and birth control, that's my job to have those conversations and to say, you know what, you do things on your own terms. You never have to do anything that you're uncomfortable with. It's about having a fun conversation and not being goal orientated that's actually great i wish i'd had you when i was younger because no one gave me that sex talk and i think all children or young people should have that talk and have it mm. with somebody that's young and that's you know knowledgeable rather than i think our parents who was like you know here's a box of condoms try not to use them <laughs> i didn't have that chat either you know <laughs> my poor mom <laughs> My dad gave it to me, my father. My mother was useless in all situations like that. I think my father gave me my period chat, my sex talk, my, <laughs> my mom was in any of this. <laughs> yeah, so it's so awkward. But, you know, it's actually fascinating. So, because, you know, especially as adults, I think we all think we're pretty okay at it. Like, I mean, I don't know what, like, how do you even date you? Like, how do you know you're good at sex? Like, no, on, honestly, like, what makes you better than me? Well, no, I don't even... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's not a question but I feel like maybe we've both had a lot of practice I don't know but um my boyfriend says to me my boyfriend's a professional tennis player and he's number one in the world he's in a wheelchair and he said to me dating you and having sex with you for the first time was like having sex with like the Roger Federer of like the sexology world. He's like, do you know how intimidating it is to be Wait, with someone like you? Go back a minute. He's number one in the world, tennis in a wheelchair. Yes. How amazing. Yeah. What an yeah. incredible guy. So he's focused and you're focused, that's for sure. So you're both not <laughs> game, set, match. It's going <laughs> to, neither one of you are giving up, let's face it. No. <laughs> We're in it for the long haul. We're in to win the game, essentially. Mm -hmm. <laughs> No, I think it's normal. You know, everyone has a relationship that is going to have challenges and questions. You know, me being with someone in a wheelchair, I don't know what to do. I've never been with someone in a wheelchair before. So again, it comes down to communication. And like in any kind of relationship, you have that first like year, 18 months where you're kind of really focused on each other as a couple and you're having lots of sex and, you know, responsibilities are kind of out the window a little bit but then 
as you move on and, you know, I've got a clinic to run and obligations and he's got to go win grand slams, blah, blah, blah. You have to fall into that normal kind of roller coaster of what every couple does where you go up and down. And there are times where you're feeling super erotic and times where you're just like, I'm so exhausted. Like my mind says, yes, my body says no. So I think it is about just being real. I'm not saying that my life is always exceptional sex, but it is real sex and it's not goal oriented. It's just about having fun and pleasure. I think that's the thing. I think, you know, the one thing, I mean, not that I watch a lot of porn, I have to be honest, I watched it, I think, for the first time in my 40s. But like, isn't that ridiculous? But I think, you know, you sort of watch that and you go, okay, is that what everyone else is doing? It's ridiculous. And if that's what young people thinks it looks like, it's a completely unrealistic goal. And couples, you know, and also like, having been in a marriage 18 years and then in a new relationship with someone half my age, you know, Mm. obviously there are going to be differences in the sex life, not because of age, just because of the length of period of time. We have no children, you have no responsibilities, you know, like all of these kind of things. We don't have kids together. So it's, it's sort of finding yourself as a couple, I think is so important. And I, and I love that, you know, you, you are giving firsthand experience to other people because you're living it and you're going through it with your boyfriend and there are always mountains you have to get over, but you know, it's reintroducing. I, what I wanted to really speak to you about as well is things like once you've sort of been able to communicate, because a lot of couples find this embarrassing and lose the ability to ask, especially in a long-term marriage. So when they become the mother of their children or, you know, they've been a long time and you're just used to a certain type of sex that, you know, they're scared to ask something different. Mm. So it's like introducing sex toys, all of these things to the relationship that I think, you know, in a normal relationship when you've been sort of 15, 20, 25 years, maybe people aren't doing this. Like how big of a thing do you think sex toys play in people's, you know, lives today? Yeah. So I think that's a really great question because I know that when I first started working with my sponsor, Love Honey, there were a lot of people who were like, I, and a lot of my friends don't use sex toys, you know, obviously I'm very open, but working with- You know, we can't get them here. Yes, I do know that. So I've been, I've been to Dubai once and I, I had one in my bag. Um, I'm sure they took it from you. No, I think they must've thought it was like a face, um, like an employer. It was a womanizer. So it was one of those clip suckers. Yes. So I think I thought I was exfoliating a little bit, but um, they, they let me keep it. But I was too scared to use it in the hotel. I was like, what if someone realizes it's a sex toy? And I that was years ago. That was when I was married to someone else. But- That's hilarious. <laughs> so you can get all the way through the airport, but it was actually in the privacy of your hotel room. You had a heart attack. I was- That's very funny. <laughs> because they come in and they made the swans on the bed every day. And I was yes, like, what if yes, yes. on the bed? <laughs> but um. Yeah, look, that's really interesting. Um, I actually have a lot of clients that are from Dubai and Doha and Middle Eastern countries as well who do international calls with me because they don't have anyone to talk to in their region. I think that when it comes to sex toys, you have to look at sex as a menu. And I think that the problem is we have a very Disney view of sex. So we really think it's goal-oriented. It needs to have penetration and orgasm for it to be successful. But if you think about it, like that rules out a huge amount of the LGBTQI community. 
that rules out a huge amount of people who might have problems like vaginismus, painful sex, or like um, erectile dysfunction, who can't have penetration at that time. And for people with disabilities, some of them cannot have such a range on their pelvis tilt to be able to have penetration if they're in a heterosexual relationship. So sex toys can be there for people that cannot achieve it through natural means, but also they're just spices on the menu that you have. So when you go to have sex, maybe you have kissing as an entree, maybe maybe oral sex would be like the main cause and maybe penetration would be dessert. Or maybe there'll be no penetration that day. Maybe it's like about doing other positions like 69 or moving it to the couch or to the living room or wherever you are. It's actually about trying different types of sexual cuisines. And I really feel like sex toys just add a little bit of spice. They're not there to replace anyone because, of course, sex toys do not give you feelings and love and they don't kiss you and spoon you at night but they do add a little bit more fun and pleasure. So let's take a little break from the show and let's get you all a little hot around the collar because I've discovered Dipsy. It's an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Let's face it, 90% of us women like to sort of imagine things and use, we're all about our imagination rather than movies and anything else, because let's face it, the reality is never as good as we can make it in our heads, ladies. I think somehow, actually, I manifested uh, my Sergio in my head. I did dream about him a lot before. Dipsy stories are sex positive, inclusive, and they're all created with women in mind. So if you missed your chance for a summer fling, or you'd like to make it a freaky fall, or if you're interested in exploring things like threesomes or toy play, but not sure exactly where to start, Dipsy Stories can help you explore all your desires. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter who you are or what you're into. There's something for everyone. Each Dipsy Story features characters that you feel like are real people that you can completely relate to and scenarios that you could put yourself into so that you can feel like you're right there in the middle of the action, ladies. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash dnd. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash dnd, dipseastory.com slash dnd. Hope you enjoy this. Let's get back to the show. Hey guys, it's me, Chriselle Lim, co-founder and CMO of Bumo. As a busy working parent myself, I felt like there was a lack of options for parents and I personally needed more support. So that's what we're doing here on Being Bumo. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. So subscribe now to Being Bumo at applepodcast.com slash beingbumo or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, gotta go. See you guys soon. I know that some men do feel like if you bring out a vibrator or whatever else that, you know, you are replacing them somehow. And it's like, okay, you know, because they have this like, I suppose, you know, they don't even need to look like that anymore. But somehow vibrators were always um, modeled on a giant penis. So then the guy thinks that you're just looking for, you know, to replace him and that you don't need him. And that's not so. And I think that that's another reason that some men are so against sort of 
the chat of sex toys because it's like, you know, well, you know, I'm not good enough for you. Well, it's not, mm. it's not about that, is it? Well, I mean, that really taps into the ego and like a patriarchal society, essentially, which I really see a movement away from. There's a lot going on, especially in Australia right now, about debunking those myths. Because I don't know about you, does Sergio's penis vibrate? I don't know, because my partner's penis doesn't. Pretty bloody magic. <laughs> no, it doesn't vibrate. <laughs> Look, I think it's just like the penis is amazing, but. Like the clitoris is where women feel all their pleasure. Sergio is probably in the back going, yay. No, I, he's out this morning, but actually he absolutely loathes it when I do these these podcasts because he's like, oh my God, I, my mom's going to listen to all this. Um, but it's so funny because he always he somehow always gets dragged into it. And the last one, he ended up having a sex therapy lesson, like, like literally oh at course. And he's like, why, I'm, why am I here? Um, so no, but it's so fun. I want to do everything with Sergio. It's great fun. When Sergio and I went to Mauritius, we, we, all we did was look up um, waterfalls and, and places to have sex. I mean, who, who does that? It was so much fun. Yes. And, uh, you know, my old life, it'd be like what sites I'd go and see and what historic, <laughs> historic monuments. We were just like, oh, we can have sex up there. <laughs> I mean, mind you, this was the beginning. We are two years and something in, so maybe we're not as prolific as we were. We were doing it about I don't know, six or seven times a day. It was ridiculous. I don't know. It's that sore feeling when you walk that's like happy, but like a little bit sore, you know? I agree. I agree. That's why I was always said, you know, to women that are struggling in their marriages and struggling with making the decision to get divorced, that, you know, if you can just get over the pain of divorce and understand that something good is coming, you know, we're all pretty bloody lucky. You know, oh great God. stories. It's amazing. You know, you, totally. you're divorced, you said. I am divorced. Yeah, I was, I was not married as long as you. I mean, I'm 30. So I, <laughs> I, I got married when I was 25 and I divorced when I was 27. I was like, I eloped. I did the quick little elopement in Japan with my um, ex-husband. And it was a beautiful marriage. But I realized as I grew so much in those formative years, that maybe I was kind of growing at a different pace and in a different direction. And that's really sad to have to come to terms with. Sometimes, as you know, you can really love the person that you're with, but just go, it's not right anymore. That's such a bummer, yeah. you know? And is that great? You've got the choice. And look, you found an amazing man. Such a privilege. Talented. Talented. Yeah, how long have you been with him? Two years as well. So about the same as you and Sergio, I guess. We've just uh, gone over two years and it's, brilliant and I'm so excited you know it's just like how could I love someone so much and I it's know. amazing so good on us good on all of us really <laughs> it's great so I think when when you have that openness I think because you're older now as well and you know also maybe because of his disabilities you've had to probably talk more than maybe you would have mm, I don't know I think it's just like learning like when you get with a good communicator, then you just try your best. Like there's so much value in getting with someone. And I feel like you might agree with this, with your current relationship. When you get with someone who just brings so much to your life and it's not just you bringing to their life, it's equal and you're both motivated to succeed and have a nice time and 
have fun, but work hard and hustle. Like that means so much. It's very hard to find someone that you feel like you can grow immensely with as individuals, but as a couple at the same time. And you're going at the same speed and you still have the same goals. You know what I mean? Like you, you see that your end goal is the same. Like Sergio can pick out his dream house mm. and show me and say, it's, and I can see it's my dream house. So, and that means that you can, when you can talk like that, I think, and you have an open dialogue like this, you know, it, it means that you're so much more intimate in everything. Like there's nothing he could say or do that would make me go, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. You know? There's no surprises because you're on par. No. Yes. Jardot. Exactly. <laughs> so come on then, take us through some of the, what you think are the best um, things on the market. You've got to remember, obviously, we're not on video. We're some, there's some of you will be able to see this and some of you won't. So she'll describe. She'll describe. So we're going to go through, I thought, you know, what would be good sex toys for people that are new, you know, that maybe haven't mm. used these, that don't want to come home with something looking, you know, giantly scary or how do you play? How do you go to, do you go to shops together? Do you just order all this stuff online or is, is choosing it together in the shops the best part? I don't know. Tell us. Look, I am really about clitoral stimulation because for those of you who have a vulva, so, and a clitoris, and if you don't know what that is, I would definitely recommend looking it up. That is joking? your pleasure. Well, some people don't know, you know, we're lucky, you know. But I see a lot of people that don't, and there's no shame there. Remember that sex education varies. I think at the end of the day, women aren't taught about pleasure. And when you go through school and you have limited sex education, you know, we're taught a lot about male sexual pleasure. We're taught a lot about wanking or jerking off, male masturbation. You know, there's no beautiful fancy words for female self-pleasure. And a lot of the pornography that we're watching is very like penetrative slamming. There's not a huge amount of like clitoral play there. The clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings in it that are designed purely for pleasure. It's the only organ in the body that is just for pleasure. Unfortunately, it's nowhere near the penis when you're having penetrative sex. So a lot of women are expecting to have these like pornography-like, movie-like orgasms with just pure penetration. It's very hard. Only 30% of women can have those penetrative orgasms. 70% have it through clitoral stimulation. I actually had heard those numbers before. Um, mm. So I do, I do get that. And, you know, I think that's another thing we've all been taught Exactly. That's why so many women fake it, which is just sending such the wrong message to people. It's hard because that's the time where you are devaluing yourself and devaluing your sexual pleasure. And I know that we're taught that we have to perform as women in the bedroom, but maybe it's time to reconsider that narrative and go, actually, what do I need to do to figure out how to find pleasure within myself so I can experience it in a couple? So for anyone who doesn't know how to have an orgasm with their clitoris, anyone who has a clitoris needs to have like a womanizer or a wee vibe or a, I call it a clit sucker in general. Whoever is listening in, basically I'm on camera with Caroline and I'm holding a vibrator and it, I don't know how do I describe what it looks like. I mean. Got this little circle bit that sort of sucks your bits into it. Mm, My girlfriend sent me one of these. Yeah. Would you like it? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah they're pretty amazing. <laughs> no comment. I live in Dubai. I saw that. I saw her eyes just widened when I asked her. Yeah, look, I think that not many people who try these can complain about them. It sucks on your clitoris or it sends like air over your clitoris. So it's almost like replicating oral sex, but you're controlling the speeds and vibrations. And I think a lot of men, you know, actually when they get into all this stuff, they really, uh, because, you know, once they get over and they're allowed and they see that these are geared to giving you the pleasure and it sort of helps them out a little bit rather than spending hours sort of, Looking around and not understanding what they're doing, they actually really enjoy it in the end because it shows, you know, they actually want to see you um, enjoy yourself too, right? So it's not just about them. Totally. And you can use them during sex as well. Like if you're in doggy style position or you're up against the wall, you just hold that vibrator against your clitoris while they're inside you and you're having a dual experience. I think that's amazing more than anything, actually, to be able to have something together. And I think that, you know, that's why so many people, women fake it. Um, but actually, if you get over it and make this a fun part of the game, you two can really actually connect and have it together that both of you, you know, climax at the same time. Mm, unbelievable. I mean, that's kind of the dream, right? That's my It is the dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else do I have with me? I mean, everyone knows about lubricant, hopefully. Water-based lubricant. Okay, I'm actually interested in that. Wait, the ones that you just buy in the pharmacy, I find them quite sticky. And like, what's the difference for you? How, how different is a good quality lube? Well, it also comes down to the type of lube. Of course, quality is so important because if you're putting something inside you and it has bad chemicals in it, it can throw off the pH levels of your vagina, which are the levels that keep it healthy, keep it um, functioning well. If we have that thrown off, then you might end up with a nasty UTI or some thrush, and none of us want that because that is just a huge amount of pain. There is also a difference as well in terms of the types of lube. So that sticky lube might have been a water-based lube. Water-based is kind of like saliva. It dries up water dries up but you need to have water based with things like toys because if you're using like other things like oil or silicon with toys it actually wears away the material of the toy if you're just having penis in vagina sex then silicon based lube is the way to go because that is smooth it is silky and it doesn't rub off as well of course there's also a few hybrid types of lubricants which are really good so that's water-based and silicon and they can really be used with toys with condoms everything and you're not going to get that really gunky sticky feeling at the end where you just go oh my god I'm going to have to go have it like wipe it all off it's horrible and then things like coconut oil can also be used so if you're feeling a little bit dry down there you can just pop a little bit of coconut oil down there and it smells good and it you know it tastes good for whoever's going down there Expensive. Yes, we more play, Expensive. everyone. We more play. <laughs> Coconut love oil. Mm. Yes. Exactly. So let's take a little break from the show and discuss Bonafide. So Bonafide was created to give you an alternative, no hormone, no prescription required relief without compromise. It relieves you from all um, symptoms related to premenopause, menopause, postmenopause. Let's face it, ladies, we're all hitting it. None of us can avoid it. And so actually it's such a good product to have out there that isn't as harsh as some of those medical 
alternatives that we all have. It was created to give women an alternative to effectively relieve the symptoms that accompany all hormonal fluctuations within your body because every woman deserves relief without compromise. Their mission is to provide women with a naturally powerful remedy to safely treat the natural symptoms that sort of occur within our bodies, everybody's bodies, from PMS to menopause and everything else along the way. So they have products like Reverie, which is a hormone-free relief from vaginal dryness. And I'm sure everyone's experienced that. And it's painful when you have sex and it's burning and irritation. And this is, again, a very easy to use vaginal insert that renews your body's moisture for everyday comfort and intimacy. It's got Restella as well, which is a powerful hormone-free support for all sexually active women who want to enhance their response to sexual stimulation. So why shouldn't we get as much stimulation as men, girls? And it's also shown to increase orgasms and physical arousal. I mean, who's going to say no to that? So these products really do help and they're just, they are for everyone and they're natural, a natural defense system. And they target the primary cause, not just the symptoms. Safety is their top priority. All products are made with safe yet powerful ingredients, completely free from hormones without any alarming side effects. Bonafide is putting the days of period and menopause myths behind us. Women struggle with real health issues and they deserve to be spoken to in real straightforward ways that acknowledges and empathizes with all your experiences. They have helped over 333,000 women. So give Bonafide a try today to get 20% off your first purchase. When you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use promo code DND. That's hello, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E.com and code DND for 20% off at checkout. Let's get back to the show. So I'm going to hold up one in front of the camera that is very famous for anyone who's listening in. It is made famous because of sex in the city. And that rabbit. is the rabbit vibrator. You know okay, what? I'm interested in this one. Do you really rate that one compared to the little ones? Because it looks very scary to people. When I first used a rabbit, like whoever's listening, you can't see the smile on my face. I was blown away. I was literally screaming. It was so much fun. And I was so anti-rabbit because I was like, it's so kitsch. It's so embarrassing. Everyone's had a rabbit. It's not even fun. But there's something about this one because the penis phallus kind of end of it actually moves up and down. It's touching your G-spot area. And then the way that the rabbit ears are going over your clitoris, it's a beautiful dual orgasm, which means you're having an orgasm internally and externally on your clitoris. And I highly rate it. I must say. I think the problem with these ones are it's like, it doesn't sit well in your side table. Cause if anyone's like me, I can't keep anything private. I have housekeepers that just go through my drawers, assistants that go through my drawers, kids that always go through my drawers. Thank God. I think my son found one of mine the other day and he thought it was a face, a face massager. Thank fuck. And I was like, yes, yes. It's just for mommy's cheeks. And you're just like, <laughs> and you, just seeing him hold it. I almost had a heart attack, but like, you can't hide that. What are you going to do with that? Also that's, those are the ones that sort of maybe men are most scared of because there's no room for the man in that one. No, totally. I think that, um, 
when it comes down to it, you you do need to have like a box. But I also agree with you. I mean, I'm a sexologist, Caroline, so, and I don't have kids. They're just sitting on the kitchen table at my place. People come over. They're everywhere. There are sex toys. I'm like, Love Honey's my ambassador. I think I've got about 300 sex toys in my house. So shut up. Not even joking. It's full of Nike shoes from Dylan because of tennis and sex toys from me because I have to try them. Amazing life. Mm. You try sex toys for a living. I love that. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, lucky you. I'm in the wrong job. Clearly, I'm going to quit this immediately. Wrong country. I'd have to to move house. Would you advise younger, like 18 to 25 year olds to have them as well and things like this? Or do you do you think they can spice up relationships? What do you, because uh, I'm always very interested in the two, two different dynamics. As I said, you have a lot of people who've sort of lost interest in sex, but I, you know, I don't know whether you can get that back with the same partner. And then other ones that just, you know, you, you want to explore at a certain stage, right? Mm, absolutely. Look, I think that they, if the thing in your relationship, the one thing that's really problematic is your sex life, there's a lot that you can do. Obviously, me giving you a vibrator is not going to fix your sex life because there's a lot of work that needs to be done behind the scenes. But I think if you can go into a new relationship, and my philosophy is really lay everything on the table and go, you know what? It's a no for now, but I'm willing to give it a go at some stage if we try it out together. That's the best approach you can have. And I really do think that they make your sex life a lot of fun because I don't know, I think that always expecting to have the same type of sex, the same sexual menu, it's like eating seafood every single time you're, you know, getting intimate. It's like, let's go on the same date. Let's do the same thing. It's get, it gets boring. And if you keep having that same menu, you're going to be sick of those leftovers. So if you can switch it up, add in a sex toy or a different position or like a themed night, that's when you might not run into problems in your sex life because you will be able to pride yourself on going, you know what, we can be expansive and we can actually try new things. And I do think that if you, you know, get lost a little bit along the way and lose some touch, there's no problem with doing things like reading books about sex or listening to podcasts like this or following people like myself that they're sex positive to keep it in your mind. Because once we have a huge amount of things to do on our to-do list and we have kids and we have jobs and, you know, we're kind of ships in the night in the house, that's when sex and its priority goes out the window. You disconnect. So the thing is like, okay, just say, how does it work with you? So there's a therapist kind of thing. And then a sexologist is like, so if you gave someone homework and said, go and try these five positions or whatever it is, mm. like how, how does that person know they're doing it right? Like, do you advise like, and they say they didn't like it or it didn't go well, or, uh, you know, some of these positions look like, you know, gymnastic routines. I didn't even know how you get into half of them, <laughs> but like, you know, no, but seriously. And then, you know, are you there to go, okay, you're doing it all wrong? How does it work with you? No, I mean, that would be fine, <laughs> but I wouldn't have any time, you know? I... <laughs> What's the homework I... you give me? And what's the homework? You know, I think it really is about like, I show a lot of videos and they're not even necessarily porn videos. There's a lot of great resources out there. And one thing I do have to mention that is very helpful is OMG. Yes. It's a website called, Oh my God. Yes. And it was designed by scientists to help women who have never orgasmed or that struggle to orgasm 
learn how to. And it's There's actual, a lot of those. Unbelievable, you know, and it's videos that are made by real women talking about how they experience pleasure. So you see other women's vulvas and you see how they touch themselves and it's very detailed, but it's not yuck. It's not giving like a negative stigma. It's not shameful at all. It's really just there to open and expand. So videos like that are things that I show my patients all the time, or I give them instructions. I mean, I don't go, go try 12 positions because these, you know, poor people don't have that amount of time. But I say simple things that you and I might take for granted. Like if you're bored having sex in the bedroom or if, you know, you're doing the same thing, go have sex in your car, you know, or have you ever had sex in water? Why don't you try having shower sex? Things that sometimes we forget can be part of our sexual repertoire. Like it's very easy to implement them back into the relationship. And it's super simple a lot of the time. Of course, when you're dealing with one thing with sex, you're looking at your psychological elements. You're looking at your interpersonal relationship. You're looking at your cultural background, how you're feeling with stress and life and work and kids. And I guess you're also looking at physiological too. What's going on in your body? What's helping or preventing? And I just try and focus more on things that are pushing you forward towards a healthy sex life rather than putting on the brakes, kind of like driving a sex car. What's going to put the accelerator on and what's going to put the brake on? I definitely recommend to people, if you can, to start the day with sex. Somehow it gets your, well, it gets your endorphins going, doesn't it? Regardless, no matter what you feel like, you should start this day with sex. Because once you've done that, you can just, you know, you hop out of bed and everything just flows. Totally. It's like a release. Well, it is a release in your body, isn't it? So. Oh my God! It's like going to the gym for a full hour. You're full of endorphins. Yeah. You've taken your happy pill. It's also um looking at your different hormone cycles too. A lot of the time, men find it easier to have sex in the morning, especially because their testosterone is so high at that time. Yeah, men do like to have sex in the morning, and you know that's not to say women don't. By the way, it's just you know once the kids have gone to school, you've still got time. And even if you don't feel like it, you feel great afterwards. So, but I think when people have lost, you know, it's very easy for me to say in a relationship of two years and you, and I always wonder if you could get that back. And there is a point where it's just gone too far, where you lose that spark. And it's the key is not to sort of get to that point, I think. And that's where it's, and to speak up before. And so many people don't. Totally. I think that that's something that, I mean, you and I are very aware of that because we, we are divorced and maybe we are hyper-focused on how we can succeed and have fun in, in our current relationship because we're extremely in love. And a lot of people go into relationships with the best of intentions, but it's very normal for sex to take a backseat sometimes. Um, and it's very normal for maybe your desire to drop too. I am a big believer in prevention. So when you say, what kind of people are coming to visit you? It's even some people who are like, I don't want to have a bad sex life in the future. And I would love to know what we can do. Maybe we can meet up every three months as a couple and really discuss what we're doing and how much fun we're having. And if you have any suggestions on how to make it better, brilliant. Or, you know, it's like me having those conversations. What do we do when maybe we're not that into each other anymore? Or maybe we have a crush on yeah. someone. Like I have all those, I have all those conversations. And um, when I got with Dylan, I said, it's 
if you want to be with me and you want us to have a healthy and long relationship, we need to do couples therapy once every few months so we can chat about things that are bothering us because if our relationship isn't going so well, it's going to seep into our sex life as well. And so I really think it is about learning how to be the best that you can be and working on prevention rather than trying to pick up this lump of mess when you're at the end and you've done a lot of damage psychologically and you're really hurt and burnt out. So you do couples therapy now? Yeah, we do. You're so, you're so open anyway. Why do you need that person there? It's probably more to have a safe space also for my partner. Like just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean that I'm his therapist. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's not fun when you get with someone who's a therapist and they're always sitting there going, how do you feel? Tell me what that means for you. What I would suggest for you would to be doing this. He'd be like, hang on. I signed up to have a partner, not a therapist here. So I believe in someone else being an expert. Plus, I'm not an expert on myself. I need an outside view to look in and be like, Chantelle, you're being a moron or that's a great job. Well done. (laughs) I think we all need to do it. Interesting. Helicopter yourself Mm. as such. It's always easy to give advice and hard to take it yourself, right? I think, well, we're British and the British have such a sort of hard line on sex. Sex is sort of as you said, it's got a goal and the goal is to have babies, to make a family and sort of get through it. The pleasure was always taken out of it for us. It wasn't just meant to be for fun. And I think that, you know, this generation, it's really changed and people do just really, I mean, in fact, it's so open now. People are, you know, people are with, with dating apps and things like that. It's so, so available. Um, everybody's having it and sometimes twice in a day with different people. How do you feel about things like in relationships, you know, open relationships? Do you think those can work? Look, I think that they could work. I think that it's tricky for sure. I don't think that you can navigate those kind of relationships by yourself. But in saying that, I really believe that it depends on what level of open you're talking about. So when people come to me and say, we want to try having a threesome or something like that, I'm always like, Maybe it would be better if you tried going to a sex club where you see other people having sex. You know, there are a lot of amazing ones, especially in the UK. There are really upper class ones that you can go to. And you go there with your partner and you make some rules around what you're comfortable with doing. So, babe, we're going to go. We're just going to look for the first half an hour. If there's anyone that you're attracted to or that you would like to join or you would like to join us, let me know. Because then, you have the ability to be a little bit more anonymous. You can go in there. You don't have to have sex with anyone you don't want to. You don't have to be in an awkward situation with just you and your partner and some other random person or close friend, whoever you've invited into a threesome. When you're at a sex club, there are activities there. Everyone's there for the same reason. And then you leave and you might not ever see those people again. I mean, but what if you do? What if you're well-known? How do you go to a sex club? I mean, I can't do it in Australia, but I mean, you would have to go to a country if you can travel where you didn't really know anyone. You've got a point if you're really well-known. Just try not to go near your area, hopefully. Or if people see you there, it's not often that those kind of stories get out, to be honest. It's a very private community. Open relationships where you're dating different people is also an interesting one. I think in theory, it sounds good, but I think in reality, it's extremely tricky. And, you know, maybe I'm biased. I do tend to see the ones that are 
having challenges. Yeah, I mean, I see it mostly, not see it, but I mean, I, I have a few friends in, mar- you know, long-term marriages that are looking for something like this, I think, because their family life is great, everything else is great, but, you know, they're missing that part. But I'm I'm watching it, like, as I said, I've said before on my podcast, a bit like a science experiment, because I just can't see how that can work, how that can be, you know, but that's not to say it's wrong either. Look, I, I, I got divorced, so it is what it is. You, you've got cho- those not many choices, you know, but, uh, I certainly wouldn't consider it now with, with my boyfriend of two years, that's for sure. But, you know, that's also, how do you feel about, you know, because with apps and all of these things today and dating is so hard, it's so hard. Like I have so many intelligent, bright, beautiful, single girlfriends, like navigating the dating scene. It seems to me that there's no rules anymore. You know, it used to be the third date kind of sex. Now, if you don't have sex within the first date somebody else is doing it how do you see today's dating world because it's really hard and 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 throw in covid as well if it wasn't hard enough you know how do you get past all this look as my friends now say at the moment it's pretty bleak which means that it's very hazy it's very gray out there um and i do tend to agree i think it's a really um tricky situation i think that if you can just go on dates without expectations. You go for the story, you go for a free drink or maybe a free meal, depending if who's shouting, and you just go to have fun. That's the way that things kind of tend to fall into your lap. I really think that going in with this goal-oriented direction with a list of things that everyone has to tick off is extremely difficult because the most beautiful ways to meet people are when you are just not even expecting it. You know, I met Dylan at his book signing and I had no idea who he was. And I was like premenstrual and like gross after a big day at work. And I saw him and I was like, that's the guy I'm going to be with. Like you, sometimes you're lucky enough to have that feeling when you see someone, but you've got to be open to that as well. And I think if you go in with barriers up and you're meeting a lot of people that just a lot of guys just don't have good chats, Caroline. People can't have good conversations in dating anymore. They're burnt out. If you're feeling burnt out from that, take a break. Ask other people to set you up. Go out to places. Flirt with people in the supermarket. You know, flirt with people at the day spa or at the hotel. It's just about smiling and your eyes. And hopefully someone is intelligent and charismatic enough to pick up the energy you're putting out. Yeah, it's a lot of to do with timing as well. And I think, you know, there's just so much on on tap today, which has ruined it for so many people. But and 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 fidelity is so hard. You know, what does fidelity mean today? You know, and that's the thing where you're saying about threesomes and things like this. Like my, my Sergio always says to me that he can't see himself ever being unfaithful because he feels like if he was unfaithful, it would open a door, a floodgate for him. You know what I mean? Like if you can do it once, you'll do it again. You get away with it, you know, and that's how he feels about it. But then he'd be open to like, you know, trying things with me, but I'm at at 44. I'm not really sure I need that side of my life right now, but you know, let's see. Never know. (laughs) You never, never say never. I always say every time you say never to something, you end up eating your words. Don't you? So I think what we've learned today is just to, you know, remain open. And I love the idea of, and I, I think I've said that before, is finding someone like yourself. So you are, it, it is like therapist therapy, but with more, more geared to, 
It's multifaceted. It's therapy, but it is incorporating everything in your life. So I look, sometimes I don't even talk about sex in my sessions. It's really looking at the bigger picture. So I would just see myself as a detective into your sex life and how to make it better. And sort of looking at at all the peripheral things around your life that maybe has taken it off the wrong track. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so I think, you know, what we've learned and there's what I'm I'm understanding is like especially in new relationships is that it's okay to um have someone else to talk to and actually sometimes it's better. Um it's a bit like talking to a girlfriend and I suppose growing up when we when I was growing up, we weren't allowed to do all these things because we weren't really allowed to express ourselves that way. So I would definitely want something like this for my daughter because once you understand you can take the power back. And I've said it before that, you know, if you learn how to love yourself and to do all these things, even on your own, then the man that you choose is, you know, is for you. And it's, it's the cherry. It's not the cake, right? So you don't feel that you have to find someone. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really, really interesting. I've absolutely loved it. I am off to go and buy all your toy recommendations when I'm out of the country. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll send you some when you're in the UK. <laughs> yes, you must. Um, although I'm staying at my parents' house. I'm not really sure I want them. It um, comes in a brown <laughs> box. It'll be fine. Okay. Send them, send them to me. I hope they're not listening. Thank you so much. It's been really, really cool. And I, I loved listening to you. Fascinating. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind-the-scene action. 